wrestling fans, are you ready? Yes! 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 For the thousands in attendance and the millions watching around the world, uh, let's get ready to rumble! Stupid idiot. Shut your mouth, you thong-wearing fatty. Party's over, Grandpa. Kane was there! Kane was there too! Yeah! No enhancement needed. This ain't Monday Night Raw! This fight's right! It's Wrestle Rant Radio. What's going on, guys? And welcome back to Wrestle Rant Radio for Thursday, July 16, 2020. I am Graham G.S. Matthews. Hope you guys are doing well. And as always, I feel like I say this every single week, but we have yet another stack show on tap for you fine folks here today. Talking not only Mr. Marceau about Extreme Rules coming up in a few minutes, uh, doing about 15, 20 minutes Extreme Rules predictions, but also the Cowboy James Storm is back here in Wrestle Rant Radio. And I say back because we had a very brief interaction interview a couple of years ago on an Impact conference call, and I got to ask a few questions. I believe I aired the interview here on the show uh, back when we first did that mini-interview in late 2017. That was years ago, uh, but now we have a full-length interview, one of the longest interviews I've ever done, at an hour and fir- uh, 15 minutes excuse me, with a cowboy, James Storm, one half of the current NWA World Tag Team Champions, former Impact World Champion as well. He's going to be here on the show today to talk about his TNA run, being in the NWA, what he's been doing uh, to keep busy during this pandemic. It's going to be part one, though. It's such a long interview. We're airing the first... 40, 45 minutes or so, uh, coming up after the Extreme Rules predictions, along with Mr. Marceau, of course. Uh, So yeah, we're doing Extreme Rules predictions, James Storm interview, and then next week we're kicking off with part two of the James Storm interview, and then reviewing Extreme Rules, uh, the horror show, I should say, don't want to confuse people, um, with Mr. Marceau. So there's a lot to look forward to. Before we go any further, though, you can check out full episodes of WrestleRant Radio on you know iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn Radio, iHeartRadio, Podbean, uh, NextDayWrestling.net. We're all over the place, so rate the show, review the show, subscribe to the show. Go to WrestleRantRadio.com for more information, and that's about it. So let's get going here with our Extreme Rules, or excuse me, The Horror Show at Extreme Rules Preview Picks and Predictions with none other than Mr. Marceau. Mr. Marceau, welcome back to the show. How you doing, brother? I'm doing well, GSM. How are you? Doing amazing, and I'm very excited for the horror show on Sunday, as I'm sure you are as well. I know you're currently in the process of uh, purchasing one of those $400 Alexa Bliss cameos, so I don't want to waste your time too much. Yeah, I, we got to make this quick. i got to spend $400 on a two-minute video. <laughs> what, do you, what do you want her to say to you? To have a good day or to wish you well on your test this Monday? Uh, just keep plugging away at work. I know it's hard during COVID-19, so hopefully just have a good day and just keep working hard. Hopefully, I wish you luck, my friend. Be sure to send me that $400 cameo when you're done. Uh, So we're talking Extreme Rules this Sunday, and uh, there's not a lot of matches on tap as of right now. I think the last couple of pay-per-views, I know Money in the Bank went two and a half hours, which was very refreshing, one of the shortest pay-per-views in years. Um, And I think Backlash didn't watch it live, not watching the show live on Sunday. I think Backlash was about three hours as well, uh, which is better than the usual four. I doubt this goes anywhere past three hours. They'll probably add more matches. Um, We are recording this before SmackDown, of course. They are doing Riddle and AJ on Friday for the Intercontinental Championship. I assume that ends for a win with AJ, or I assume a a win for AJ, and that sets up Corbin, King Corbin versus Matt Riddle for Sunday, potentially. 
Um, but either way, we got six matches on tap for Sunday, and uh, we'll kick it off first with the United States Championship match, Apollo Crews versus MVP. MVP, of course, not the actual champion as of right now, parading around with a new championship. Um, we actually didn't talk about that last week. We talked all about Great American Bash and Fighter Fest. I actually forgot to ask you about that, RJ, but before we get to the prediction, what are your thoughts on the All-New United States Championship title? I like it. I think it's really neat looking. I think it's like a modernized version. I like the go uh, on it. has like really cool cut-in designs through like the metal and stuff. And I like the uh, small... I like it... I like how it has the like the American flag on it, but it's more of a small display. I just think it looks really clean. Uh, compared to any of the other new titles they've come out, it's probably my favorite one. I agree, and you're someone, too, that has been watching practically since they introduced the United States Championship in WWE, anyway, back in 03. Are you going to miss that old design? Uh, well, uh, I, don't, I didn't love the design. I mean, I love the spinner belt. Bring back the uh, U.S. spinner belt. Love that. <laughs> oh, God, keep that thing in the trash. What? I love that belt. <laughs> I was never a fan of that title. I I, didn't, I, I hated that more even than the uh, the WWE spinner one. That one I didn't really mind. I mean, it was kind of garbage, but uh, I thought the U.S. one was worse, in my opinion. Mm, I like the U.S. one better. <laughs> but it is a cool-looking title. like the prestige, you know, the prestigious old refined look of it. I think it's cool. Um, does MVP hold on to that belt by winning on Sunday, or is Apollo Crews uh, walking out still the champ? Um, it's... Interesting. Um, I'm not quite sure on this one. This one's, I think it could go either way. Um, I would keep on Apollo, keep his momentum going, but they've also teased him with MVP. Um, I would keep on Apollo. I like MVP, but should it be United States champion in 2020? Probably not. So I'm going to go with Apollo here. Should be a decent match. Um, I'd say your new United States actually title winner will be Apollo Cruz. I agree. I think Apollo is winning. Um, one idea I did have, though, is I, I want to see if you, if you would agree with this, if you would want to see this. Um, MVP as United States champion. Now, again, I don't think he's winning Sunday, but what if you had MVP as United States champion? Bobby Lashley as WWE champion. I mean, that he would have to get back in the title chase. That I don't know when that's going to happen again. And then a team like a Ricochet and a Cedric as the tag team champions. I mean, they've been beating the shit out of those guys for weeks now, so I don't think it's happening because why else would they be facing them if they weren't going to join them. Um, is that something you would want to see, a stable of all the gold, a kind of similar to what we saw in NXT with Undisputed Era a while ago? Nah, not particularly. I just I don't think it has the buzz. I mean, Raw's ratings right now, and it seems like their viewership's in the toilet. I don't think putting the titles on all those four guys would really help that out. So I, I would probably steer away from that. Maybe give Bobby the world championship at some point, but, I mean, they've basically buried Alexander and Ricochet at this point. Who really cares if they're a champion? Uh, do you think all roads lead to Apollo and Bobby probably at SummerSlam for the title? Uh, it seems that's the way the story's going. I don't think Drew will be facing Bobby, and Bobby's really not doing anything else. So I would do Bobby and Apollo at, at SummerSlam. Yeah, I could see Bobby winning that match. After losing to Drew, he needs a big win. I could see him winning the championship there. And by then, I think Cruz would have been champion for like three months. So we'll see what the uh, situation has come then, but... I would have no issue with uh, Bobby walking out as a two-time United States champion, as he actually held the title previously, I think in like 06 or something. Um, so we go to another match on the card here for the SmackDown Women's Championship, Bailey versus Nikki Cross. Purely filler before they get to Banks and Bailey. hopefully soon, in my opinion. I can't, 
I, I can't reiterate this anymore, that Bailey has literally beaten everyone, including Nikki Cross, multiple times. they got to move on at some point. Um, I don't think Nikki Cross wins here. I like Nikki Cross. But they got to move on from Bailey as champion. She is getting better. She is becoming more entertaining. I hated her as a heel in the, in the early stages just because it didn't really feel like a natural fit. But she's growing into the role. I think she's doing good work more often than not. She can be a bit overbearing at times, but... By and large, she has been um, compelling to watch on the show. I don't think this was where she drops the championship, though. Uh, would you concur, RJ? Yeah, I think this is a Bailey slam dunk on this one here. Uh, I don't mind Nikki Cross. I mean, she is pretty good, but she just hasn't really ever been a real focus on NXT or the main roster. So, and like you said, Bailey had already been her already. Um, but I, I, I've been digging Bailey more lately with the heel role. I think at first she just wasn't really that comfortable. And once they put her with Sasha, I feel like she started getting her footing um, as a heel. So I, I do like her as champion and as a heel. Um, like you said as well, she's beating everyone. So hopefully she wins here, deletes the split of her and Banks, and just take the belt off Bailey. I like Bailey just like you said, she's beating everyone. So at, once you beat everyone, there's really nowhere else to go. So I would do her and Sasha at SummerSlam, stop delaying it i think at this point it's the hottest they're gonna get together and to strike when the iron's hot i would have bailey win here like you said i think you mentioned it before sasha probably assisting her or helping her a little bit and then with oscar and sasha don't have bailey help her and then they kind of divide a split from there yeah that was exactly what i've said and i completely agree and i'm still <clears throat> sticking with that that maybe sasha helps bailey here helps her win um, Alexa Bliss off in the like. What? Where is Alexa Bliss in all of this? Is she helping Nikki Cross win? Is she off filming a cameo video for two minutes in the back? I don't know. Um, I'm gonna say that she doesn't get factor into the finish at all. Um, I've said this before in my own SmackDown reviews. But do you think they might be teasing a heel turn from Alexa Bliss as well, RJ? Because if Sasha goes tween her face, whatever. They're going to need more heels, and it looks like her and Nikki have kind of done all they can do as a team. They've won the tag titles twice. There really isn't anything more for them to do. Um, Alexa Bliss, they've lost a lot lately, but she has not been the one to get pinned. So do you think she might turn Nikki on, on Nikki Cross at some point, kind of bridge that as a feud one-on-one? Yeah, I think that would be good for her. I think they've uh, done everything they can with her and Nikki. They were the champions. They haven't really done much since they've lost the belts. I like Alexa. I think it was a nice detour for her to go on a little tag team run and get her out of the title picture because it seemed like before she, when she was on Raw SmackDown, that's all she was really doing. I uh, was contending for the title. On, on, besides the times that she was hurt and she was doing just the uh, moment of bliss uh, segment mm-hmm. just because she couldn't wrestle. But I think it's been a good detour for her. It hasn't made her too overexposed. And I think it's time to put her back in the singles division because it seems like they can't really push anyone else. So. Yeah, exactly. They need more heels on that show anyway. It doesn't really seem like they have a whole lot. Uh, Sonya's great. I think Sonya's awesome. I don't know if she has COVID or if there's something else going on, but... She hasn't been on the show in recent weeks. I was hoping for Mandy and Sonya at the pay-per-view. Unless they pop up on Friday, it doesn't look like we're getting it. And that's a real shame, because I feel like if there's any Extreme Rules match that should be happening at that show, it's that one. And uh, it doesn't look like it's going to be happening, unfortunately. Um, but yeah, they need more heels. It looked like they might have turned Carmella. They were going to a while ago. They didn't. Um, Alexa Bliss is better as a heel anyway, so I wouldn't you know, mind seeing that. Um, before we go any further, do you see any matches being added to the show at the last minute? We have six at the moment. Um, and like I said, maybe Riddle and Corbin, maybe Profits versus Angel Garza and Andrade if the Profits are back by then. I, I don't know if that's a COVID situation or what's going on. I think Angel, an Angel, um, Angelo Dawkins just had a kid, so that might be what it is. Um, that match might be added either to this show or to some other point. Um, 
I'm not really sure what else they would do. But uh, of yep. those matches, and what else do you think could be added, RJ? Not not quite sure. I've liked the six matches at this point. I, I just I like the shows a little shorter. Uh, Money in the Bank was great with the two and a half hour show. It just flowed well. Didn't seem like it dragged at many points, and just was over right when it needed to be. So probably, like you said, I know Andrew Doggins' wife just had a baby, so doubt they'll have that match. Um, I was going to say maybe, not that anyone cared, but maybe do like a rematch of Ruby and Bianca versus Iconics. Not very necessary, so I probably wouldn't do that. Um, not quite sure, because they're doing Randy and, and Big Show the night after, mm-hmm. so um, I would just keep it with the six matches now. No need to add more. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I think six is perfect. Um, keep it at two and a half hours. Like, that old Backlash pay-per-view, and I say old, but it was only from four years ago when they first brought it back when AJ won the title. I think they had six matches on the show. The show was like two and a half hours. It was perfect. One of my favorite pay-per-views in years, uh, mostly because of that, how, of how short it was. Um, we kind of transitioned from there into Asuka and Sasha for the Raw Women's Championship. You kind of already said it, but I think Asuka wins here. Um, I guess there's a chance Sasha wins, and they do the whole two-woman power trip thing, which is interesting. I don't really need to see that. Um, I guess maybe if they wanted to prolong the whole Sasha Bailey feud. But again, what do you do with Bailey in the meantime if she's going to be defending her championship? She's already beaten everybody. So I don't really need to see that. Um, the match should be great. Asuka and Sasha had one other match previously on Raw a couple of years ago, and it was very good. Um, but I think, as we mentioned before, this leads to a loss for Sasha and probably her breaking away from Bailey going into SummerSlam. And uh, are you sticking by that, RJ? Yeah, I think you could. I think you could also have Sasha win here. Um, they go out and Raw the next night, bragging that she won. Do a rematch. Bailey costs Sasha accidentally. Then you can do a turn from there. Um, but I would just at this point keep it on Oscar. Why have her lose the belt just to win it right back? So I'd have her win. Similar scenario, like you said before, have Sasha help Bailey out this time. This time, either Bailey tries to help and she screws her, or just doesn't help at all. Um, and then just have Oscar keep the championship, then do Sasha and Bailey at SummerSlam. Just no need to keep prolonging it. It's just at this point, this is the hottest they're going to be. I would assume as a team, they're the champions. They can't really go any higher than that. So, especially with no fans, which is, I don't think it's going to change in anytime soon. So I would just do it now. Have them break up. Have the matchup at SummerSlam, and then Sasha wins the belt there. Plus, they've already beaten all the other teams anyway. They beat the Kabuki Warriors this week on the show. They beat Alexa Bliss and Nikki. They beat the Iconics. And the Iconics and Alexa and Nikki at the same time at Backlash. They beat Tegan and Shotzi in NXT. They've had a good reign so far, but I don't really see what more they can do from here as tag team champions. So I feel like they might lose those soon to who? I don't know. Um, but I, I feel like Bailey and Banks is definitely coming sooner rather than later. We get to Braun and Bray in a street fight. Um, it's going to be non-title at the Wyatt Compound. Uh, the first time they've gone there in a couple of years, I think, since the um, Randy and Bray feed back in 2017. So I'm actually looking forward to this. We were discussing before we went live here about why it's non-title. Um, I know it's a pay-per-view. Championships are usually defended. With Braun, though, in this match, logically, and my whole issue with doing another match between these two at this point was that Bray has done nothing to earn another title shot after losing at Money in the Bank. I like this because it's a brawl, not really a match. Wyatt can win, quote-unquote, and that's what leads into The Fiend versus Strowman at SummerSlam. And maybe there, Strowman wins, or The Fiend wins the belt back, I don't know. Um, but I like this a lot, I'm interested to see what they might do, and um, yeah, so I'm looking forward to it. But uh, what are your thoughts on it, RJ? Where does this go from here, and do you have high hopes for this cinematic match at Extreme Rules? I think it should be fun, I think. 
we discussed after uh, after Braun won it, and he'd probably lose right to Wyatt. So I'm glad that he's had a decent reign with the belt. Um, I, I, I mean, I do think Wyatt will be the one to take it off him. Um, should be a good match. I think it should be fun. Um, decent little cinematic match. Hopefully they tone it down. I mean, they've been doing them every month now, so hopefully they can cut back once the fans come back and just don't always focus on cinematic matches. Um, I think it should be a good match. Not sure who I want to go with in this match. Like you said, Bray winning would then give him a title match, but I think they could still turn. They could still technically be like, oh, he never beat The Fiend. So um, I'll say Brian, Brian will win, but... After he wins, like the fiend will, like the fiend will come out and attack him. Okay, okay. I'm looking forward to seeing how they handle this. I mean, obviously it's all pre-shot, so they can do a thing where like they show Wyatt get beat or something, or he wins, and then the fiend comes out. We'll see. Um, but either way, I'm looking forward to this. They've had, for the most part, the cinematic matches deliver. I hated what they did a backlash, as did you with the Street Profits and the Viking Raiders. Complete trash. Um, but if it's more along the lines of what we saw from the Firefly Funhouse and the Boneyard match, this could be a lot of fun. Uh, we then get into the eye-for-an-eye eye match that we quickly discussed last week between Seth Rollins and Rey Mysterio. Uh, again, we discussed this before we went live here. As a match, it could be great. Um, Rey and Seth, I'm sure, would have great in-ring chemistry. And it is going to be a match, but I've heard it's going to be a cinematic match because obviously they need to like kind of CGI a fake eyeball. Or I'm not really sure how they're going to do this. How are they going to explain someone losing an eye and then maybe getting it back later? Like I don't see Seth wrestling in a fucking eye patch for the rest of his career. Um, it just seems completely ridiculous. But, yeah, I, I'm just I'm not a fan of this. I think Seth is winning easily. You know, Rey Mysterio has gotten the upper hand more often than not in recent weeks, and uh, Rey might be leaving soon. I thought this was leading to Rey and Dominic versus Seth and, like, Murphy or something, and it still might. But if, if Rey is gone after he loses an eye, I'm not really sure how that works. So I think Seth wins. And then from there, I don't really know what you do with Seth. I'm sorry, with uh, with, with Dominic. Does he face Seth by himself? I don't know. Um, your thoughts on this uh, just wild gimmick match, RJ, and who wins? It, it's one of those matches no one wins. I mean, I think Rollins will win the match, but I don't think I'll... Like, it's like basically not winning because it's a stupid fucking match. Um, I think Rollins wins here. Like you said, he's not going to wrestle the rest of his career on a fucking eye patch. And at least with Ray, you could just technically just put, like... He had it over his eye before. It had like over his mask. He had like this like little shield looking thing over his mat, over his eye. So technically, you can just have that, and obviously, you can still see. So I, I think Rollins wins here. I don't think it really means much. It's a stupid match, but um, Rollins wins here. May, like you said, maybe do him and Dominic versus Seth and uh, Murphy at, at SummerSlam. It's like Ray's last match. It's the wrestle with Dominic, Rollins, and Murphy just clean house, and then. Not sure what you do with Rollins in there, but I, I think Rollins wins it. And I think they could have a really good match one-on-one, but this match is just really, really dumb. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's just ridiculous. Again, like you said, I don't really feel anyone wins in this scenario. I think Rollins actually wins, but the fans don't win the match. I, I don't know. Maybe it'll turn out to be this great spectacle of a match. As of right now, I don't have high hopes. Uh, we get to the main event, which is going to pit Dolph Ziggler, which I assume is the main event, actually. I could very well see Ray and Seth going on last. Um, but I assume Drew and Dolph is main eventing for the WWE Championship. Stipulation to be announced still. Still no word on what it might be. Um, they're not going to announce it until the night of, I'm assuming. Obviously, at this point, with it being Thursday, and we still don't know. Um, Dolph has hinted at it being something that we've never seen before. So I'm not exactly sure what that means. I don't, again, I don't have the greatest faith in the creative team to do it 
right or whatever this might be. I guess it's better than like a hardcore match or a steel cage match, which they've actually wrestled in before. So I guess it's better than that, but I don't know. I'm, I'm still not the biggest fan of it. Um, but anyway, I, I, I do think Dolph loses here. They have kind of teased that because Drew is like really confident and maybe it'll like um, cost him the championship. On Raw Talk, they were telling the story that, oh, you might your frustration might cost you the belt. So maybe if Dolph... Yeah, or rather, if Drew gets himself disqualified, he loses the championship, like kind of like Christian and Orton a couple of years ago, and Punk and uh, Jericho did it one time too at WrestleMania. I don't know. I'm not a big fan of that stipulation. It kind of hurts the near falls and stuff like that. But anyway, um, I, I, I do think Drew should win. I think he will win. There is absolutely zero point in putting the belt on Dolph for a month only to take it off of him at SummerSlam. Who gives a fuck? Who gives a shit? So, uh, yeah, I got Drew to win here, and I don't know what the stipulation's going to be. I've heard people say, oh, maybe the Claymore is banned. That would honestly be kind of interesting. They've done that before with Dolph and Edge a couple of years ago, back actually like a decade ago. That could be interesting, but either way, I think Drew walks out still the WWE champion. But uh, what say you, RJ? What's the stip and who wins? Um, Honestly, no idea what the stip would be. I, I hate those matches, like the band, the finisher. Like, just, I, I don't know, those matches don't do much for me, just... Because they talk about it the whole time, like, oh, I can't, can't do the spear, I can't do the claim. I'm like, oh my god, like, that's just annoying. I hate when they do that. Mm-hmm. So hopefully it's that. But uh, I think it should be a good match. I, I really like Drew's run. Ziggler clearly filler in my mind. If he wins, like, come on, Drew, like, he shouldn't be champion in, in 2020. It's just, it is what it is. Sorry, guys. But uh, I like Drew's champion. I, I think all roads lead to him and Randy at SummerSlam. And, I wouldn't be surprised if Randy won the belt at SummerSlam. I've really loved his run so far as well uh, in 2020. So I think Drew wins here. Like you said, maybe it's Ban the Finisher or some kind of goofy gimmick. But I think Drew wins. And then, like I said, roads lead to Randy and Drew at uh, SummerSlam. I agree. I agree. I think Orton and McIntyre is the end game um, for SummerSlam. It could be a very good match. They still have unfinished business from when they kind of feuded for a little bit earlier this year before the Rumble. And they never really kind of wrap that up, so I would love to see that. Orton and Big Show is happening on Raw. Orton's got to win that, right? Yeah, I think, honestly, I kind of like it on Raw. There's already six matches on the show. Don't need to add more, and I like it on Raw. It's not a bad match for Raw. I don't mind it, but it is comical to me that we're getting an unsanctioned match on Raw, but, like, two normal matches at Extreme Rules. Like, that is ass-backwards booking, or am I just completely out of it? It's just WWE. It's WWE booking. (laughs) Hey, don't overthink it. It's what they do. Exactly. Well, this has been great, Mr. Marceau. Any uh, parting words before we ride off into the sunset here and we review Extreme Rules next week? Uh, just should be a decent show. I mean, on paper, it looks all right. So I'm definitely be watching. I'll probably watch it on Sunday. So um, should be a decent show. If not, fucking SummerSlam should be good. So it is a kind of more of a filler show. So I wouldn't get my hopes up too much. But I think SummerSlam would be a good time. So are you watching? Are you watching live on Sunday or no? Uh, probably. Okay. Unless something comes up, but I, I'm planning on watching live. There's no races this weekend? There is, but it's on earlier, so it shouldn't really affect it. Is that the one where that, I've heard people, like, say that there might be, like, 20, 30,000 people there. Is that accurate? Is that that one, or is that something else? That was last night. Oh, okay. Holy shit. They had the All-Star race last night in Tennessee, uh, they had, like, 30,000 people there. <laughs> That's crazy. No, not one person wearing a mask. <laughs> Good old Tennessee. Those numbers should spike. That's so funny. Oh, oh well. Was it a good race, though? 
Yeah, it was a, it was it was just like it's just it's not for points or anything. It's just like an exhibition winner got a million dollars. So oh shit, it was fun for what it was. But like I said, just funny how no one wore a mask and classic Tennessee. That's yeah. freaking hit. Classic Tennessee. Oh, wait, are, are you telling me the same people that aren't wearing a mask at that race are probably the same people ordering an Alexa Bliss cameo for four hundred dollars? It's actually three ninety nine, but yes. <laughs> Sorry, dollar dollar over. I shouldn't uh, over exaggerate here. Three ninety nine isn't that much, but four hundred is. Um, but nonetheless, Mr. Marceau, whether it's a bad show, good show on Sunday, we are going to be breaking it down um, next week right here on the show, along with part two of the James Storm interview, so people can check that out. Uh, whether it's a good show, we'll be praising it, or a bad show, just crapping all over it, should be a fun time regardless. So, Mr. Marceau, take care, enjoy the show on Sunday, and I'll catch your ass down the road. Sounds good. Take care. See you, brother. Now, let's get into my exclusive interview with the cowboy, James Storm. James, welcome to the show. How you doing, my man? I'm doing great, man. How you doing, Graham? Doing great, doing great. Been a longtime fan for a long time now. Currently, you find yourself in the NWA. It's been a couple months since you guys last ran a show. How you guys been doing, or specifically you, James, uh, during the pandemic, during the current, uh, you know, current quarantine circumstances? How you been holding up? Ah, uh, man. Actually, I've been I've been doing really good. It's given me time to, you know, catch up on some stuff that I really need to catch up on, and I'm restoring uh, an old 1970 truck, so it's that's keeping me busy. Nice. So I'm doing nice. Good. That's awesome. Well, I mean, you've been going from place to place for a while now. You were with TNA for such a long time. Now, you know, you currently find yourself in NWA. Obviously, you work all the independent scene, um, all the independent companies and whatnot. Um, is there any one thing that you miss right now about being in the ring, being among the fans and stuff like that? I think it's just that adrenaline rush, mm-hmm. you know, like, and every wrestler can basically tell you it's like a drug. You know, it's hard to get it out of your system. <laughs> it's just that. It's just that uh, connection with the fans, just that, you know, that you're able to put them on a emotional roller coaster and stuff. And, you know, just, you know, whether you're you're the good guy or the bad guy, you know, make them cheer, making them boo. It's just, I don't know. It's just, yeah, I, you know, I've known wrestling, you know, half my life I've been wrestling, <laughs> really. So mm-hmm. it's, uh, it's, it's, it's a weird time, that's for sure. Is, is this the longest you've gone without wrestling a match? And, I mean, again, it's been since this whole thing started, you know, four or five months. Is this the longest you've gone with a break from wrestling? Yeah, like before, the longest I've ever been uh, without wrestling is like three weeks. Wow, so, yeah, that's quite the difference. Yeah, yeah. and that's, I mean, I had a uh, hairline fracture in my ankle, so I had to kind of let that heal up, but I still wrestled on it, even though it wasn't 100% healed. But, <laughs> you know, it's just, it's just one of those things that were, you know, wrestlers – you know, we're we're not like the a lot of the football players who you know hurt their toe or something and they're out for eight weeks or so. You know, mm-hmm. like, like we just we push through it somehow. You think you think it's going to be weird when everything starts up again? Hopefully on the sooner side, but obviously you don't really know what the current circumstances. It could be another month. It could be six months. Obviously, we have no idea right now. Do you think once we get back to having shows, professional wrestling back on again with every company, um, do you think there's going to be that transitional period where people are kind of getting back into the swing of things, being on the road all the time, getting your body adjusted back to you know being in the ring and whatnot? Yeah, it's definitely going to take a little bit. To- just you basically got to beat your body up all over again mm-hmm. you know this this, this is kind of like a really bad uh thing for wrestlers because once you let your body heal then you start bumping again it just it's brutal on your body but if you stay just beat up all the time like you don't really know you're beat up mm-hmm. you know it just becomes part of life really and now like i feel really good i'm like huh <laughs> i don't know if i want to go get beat up again <laughs> yeah 
<laughs> exactly. I mean, it's one of those things. So I have a little sister and she had to do, you know, homeschool. I mean, you have a son, right? Yeah. Yep. So did you have to deal with that, the whole homeschool thing the last couple of months of school or no? Yeah, it's it's brutal. It's, <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's tough. So I had to teach her. So I was thinking like, you know, the longer they're away from school, it's going to be harder to get them to go back, you know, because they're so accustomed to being home and whatnot. And I mean, not just wrestling, but really everyone, it's going to be so tough to get everyone back into the swing of things, whenever that might be. Um, do you have any expectations for when these things might go back to normal, whether it be again in a couple months, 2021? Do you have any um, insight on when things might go back to, you know, running shows again and whatnot? You know, if it's, if I was president, it'd be tomorrow, <laughs> you know, yeah. I say, put your damn mask on and go to a show. Like, I don't, you know, mm-hmm. I don't, but uh, you know, I'm not a, I'm not a scientist and all that. I'm just, uh, you, you know, I look at the numbers and the people it affects and stuff, you know, and majority of the people that come to the show or, you know, they're younger crowds anyway now, you mm-hmm. know, so, but you know, it, it's still safety and everybody has to, you know, Obey by the rules, I guess. You, you <laughs> well, would th- most of us anyways. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. I mean, you would think by now that people would get the idea just to wear the masks when it comes to this type of stuff, and we could have had shows up and running again. I mean, it's not just the wrestling thing. Obviously, this is obviously much bigger than that, but you would think by now people would have gotten the idea, but, you know, it's different in different places. It is what it is. Um, but you've been with the NWA for a while now. Have you guys heard anything about when they might be starting to run shows? I know with the whole NWA YouTube channel, you guys have been keeping content going that way to keep the programming alive, which is cool. Um, have you heard anything on that front, or is it more of just a wait-and-see approach to see when you guys can get going again? You know, to tell you the truth, I'm not really for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, like when the NWA may be starting back up. So hopefully, you know, hopefully soon, just for everybody's sake. Yeah. You know, I, it, it's <laughs> you know, they talk about the the mental state of people. You know, especially kids going back to school. I, I can tell you, like the mental state of a wrestler is really not good. <laughs> they, when when they, you know, it's not good to begin with. But you know, when they got to stay home and they're so used to just being on the road all the time. I mean, it's, I mean, it's, it can, it can wear on you for sure. Are there any shows that you've been keeping up with? You said you're keeping up an old car. You've been keeping busy in the meantime, these last couple months, any shows or any movies that you've been able to catch up on that you probably weren't able to watch before just being busy and whatnot? Uh, you know, I just, uh, I watch a lot of Netflix. So like I've always watched Netflix <laughs> on the road or, or whatever, but you know, as far as wrestling, like, you know, I still watch all of all wrestling that I can, you know, mm-hmm. I'm just, I'm a fan, you know, I still watch AEW and WWE and, uh, I'll go on, uh, ICW over in Glasgow's, uh, side and, and watch some of their past shows and stuff. That's, that's one of my favorite, uh, companies to wrestle for is, uh, Mark Dallas's ICW over in Glasgow. What have you noticed are the biggest differences between wrestling here in the stage, which obviously you've had a long history of doing for, you know, decades now and over, you know, wrestling over in England, it's a very dim- a different atmosphere. The fans over there are electric. What have you noticed are the biggest differences between the, uh, you know, two wrestling in England and wrestling over here in the States? I think it's, like you said, it's just, you know, I don't want to say spoiled, but it just feels like the people here in the States are just, I guess, so used to it. Sure. Because they can just go to, shows really you know all the time and see people whereas england especially you know you you have a lot of americans or or whoever that come to england and i don't know it just it just feels like like you said it's a whole different atmosphere when you get over to england to wrestle and it just feels like that they're they are there to have fun you know they're not there to hijack the shows and do all this like Mm -hmm. it's it's, that's what i like about icw like they're a very smart crowd but they still 
I still played by the rules here the you know the baby faces and boo the hills and you know and, and they're they're rowdy and loud and they're there to have a good time mm-hmm. you know there's nothing worse than going to a show where people have paid their harder money and they just sit there and look at you like dance monkey dance you know? like, <laughs> exactly <laughs> and you're it's pit- like i just want I just want to poop in my hand throw it out <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly in your opinion what what do you think is worse dealing with a dead crowd or having a crowd like you said we're again in, in some cases i can see where it can be fun but for me personally it just annoys me for example going to a post-WrestleMania show, which can a lot of times be fun, but sometimes the fans start to see themselves as the star of the show and they're chanting, we are awesome and ridiculous, stuff like that. So what would you say is worse, where the fans kind of try to overtake the show and make themselves the star of the shows or dealing with a dead crowd? Uh, I would just say dealing with a dead crowd. Like, at least, you know, if they're making noise like that, at least it's still kind of some kind of adrenaline that you can kind of feed off of and stuff, you know? And, uh, and, And that's just something where... You know, I always had the luxury, especially, you know, at TNA and also I know NWA would let me do it. Or, you know, if I was doing an independent show where if a crowd started to get like that, like I would just get on the microphone and say something to them, you mm-hmm. know, maybe to agitate them more. And then it, and then they wouldn't even know it, but I completely turned their uh, psychology around. Now they're yelling at me or, you know, or, if yeah. the, you know, somebody else was a heel, like I'd have them do it. You know, mm-hmm. I don't know. There's just different ways to do it, you know, but I'd, I'd much have, rather have a, a loud crowd than a dead one, for sure. Oh, yeah, most definitely. And, I mean, during your time in TNA, too, it seemed like you guys ran quite a bit in the United Kingdom doing about maybe a couple shows a year and earlier on in the year and whatnot. And you were the star of many of those shows back in 2011, 2012, 2013. Was that what kind of started your your shows over in the U.K., or were you already working over there well before that? Uh, I think I did, like, one or two shows, maybe, before mm-hmm. that. But, yeah, that, that kind of got everything started. And then... Uh, uh, Paige's parents uh, started bringing me over, and then it just kind of just just caught on from there. And, and now, like it seems like I'm I'm in England more than I am, you know, in the states. <laughs> uh, with the NWA, I mean, obviously you're working still here in the states with the NWA doing their shows. You've been one of the most prominent stars uh, for a while now, but specifically dating back to when you guys started the weekly show with Power every Tuesday um, on YouTube. How did that process get started? Again, you've been with NWA even well before that whole. The, the you know power got started up late last year um what drew you to the nwa initially uh i think it's just the the, the basic you know they're new well you know not new but basically new and starting back up mm-hmm. you know and i i just i don't know it's just something about that process like being there when it first starts that you know is is really hard to explain you know when when nick uh came to me and discussed it with me and stuff and asked if i want to be part of it you know, I sat down with him and Billy and stuff. And we talked about it, and I said, like, "Man, like I'd really, you know, like to, you know, do it mm-hmm. and and help out, you know, any of the the younger people that they bring in as well." And you know, and I've had the luxury to you know help guys on their promos and stuff like that. So it's been a lot of fun. And it seems like it's such a great fit to have you in that environment too. I mean, just you yourself and the character you portray, which is basically you to a twelve. Would you say so? Is that kind of like who you are in reality, just you know, turned up to a twelve, or is it someone completely different that we see outside of the ring? Oh no, that's me about an eight. <laughs> you don't <laughs> see me at a twelve. <laughs> twelve, I got Jack Daniels flowing through. <laughs> 
So we, we get to see you in the NWA, you know, doing your thing and whatnot. Uh, and again, with Impact, where we saw you for such a long time, two totally different feels. And you mentioned earlier with the crowd in the, in the NWA, you know, the closed set and whatnot. Uh, was that, you know, weird for you first starting doing those shows with the closed set, you know, different environment? But it is, you know, kind of has that throwback feel that, you know, really draws people to it. So was that weird for you initially or was it like you just felt right at home from the get-go? No, I just kind of, you know, I was I was actually really excited because when I had finished my training, I was supposed to start uh, with USWA down in Memphis, and they do studio wrestling. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Uh, and but I had broken my shoulder and got injured uh, during training, mm-hmm. and then when I went back, it had closed down and stuff. So this was kind of like me being able to go back in time really and wrestle in front of the studio audience that I didn't get to when I was first supposed to start wrestling. Mm-hmm. So it was, it was a really cool moment uh, for me. And then of course, you know, standing by the ring and, you know, uh, Ricky and Robert rock and roll express come walking in and Hey cowboy, what are you doing, man? <laughs> <laughs> you know, <laughs> And, uh, you know, it's just, it's just, uh, unso real. Did you ever think you'd get the opportunity to wrestle the wrestle to, to wrestle the Rock and Roll Express at any point in your career before you did in the NWA? No, I you know I, I really didn't. I actually was uh, trained by uh, one of Ricky's nephews, uh, Shane Morton. Oh, nice. Uh, yeah, in Columbia, like uh, Wolfie trained me. I'll say about seventy five percent, and then after I broke my shoulder and came back, and uh, Shane kind of just took me in and, and kind of worked with me and helped me get me started and stuff. So, so I kind of knew Ricky for a while and stuff. And it's just, it's really good, especially cause Ricky does, was doing some agent stuff for them as well, you know, and just getting his, uh, hindsight on stuff, you know, what, what would work and what didn't, because he, he you know, unlike a lot of other guys, he brings the old school kind of to the new school. Like he, he combines it. He don't, he don't want you to do it really the old way. But he wants you to do it the old way in a new way, mm-hmm. which is it's kind of it might be hard to explain, but it's it's pretty cool how he does it though. Well, yeah, well, actually, kind of on that same note, it seems like the NWA really has a lot of that kind of old things, you know, specifically with the format that the show is filmed. And you you mentioned the USWA as well, um, with with their, you know certain companies filming their show, kind of that NWA format. Do you think it's kind of a case where what's old is new again and that's kind of part of the appeal where people, again, we have so much wrestling on TV nowadays and it's all good, WWE, AEW and whatnot, Impact as well, but nothing is like the NWA in terms of how it's filmed. So do you think that's kind of part of the appeal, having something that's new and kind of having it become new again? Yeah, you know, and I I think it's just a testament to, you know, uh, Billy Corrigan and Nick to, you know, really to put, the, the right players in, in the spot to succeed, mm-hmm. you know, uh, you, you know, they, they, they have their veterans to, to, to be there that can still go and cut promos, but they also have those guys there to help the younger guys. You know, there's so many, so many people there that come up to me and ask me to, to watch their match or, you know, help them with the promo or, or, you know, or, you know, I've, went to Ricky and I've had asked him the same thing. If he watched my match and it's just, it's just a really good locker room and just everybody's just trying to succeed and make it the best. And Billy, like I said, to his credit, he just basically put the right people in the right places and say, Hey, we hired you for a reason. Go do your thing. You know, Mm -hmm. we hired you for this character. Now go do it. You know? Mm -hmm. And and so I I think that's helped a lot. uh, So many people in wrestling kind of just get caught up in that. And 
you, you know, if, if they're given a character, like they just, there's, I don't know. They're just like, well, this is, this is not me. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, this is, this is the character that we hired you to do. Mm-hmm. Basically it's like a movie, you know, you're, you're not the producer, you're not the writer, <laughs> you're the actor, yeah. you know? So you, you, sorry, you don't get to outlive Brad Pitt. <laughs> exactly. You, okay? Exactly. <laughs> you know? Yeah, no, it just seems like that's kind of the way it is where people don't really, you know, understand that fully. Uh, well, you mentioned Billy Corrigan. How, yeah, you obviously had the experience working with him before in Impact a couple of years back, right? Yeah. Yeah. So how far does that experience go back? You guys were working with each other back in Impact. Uh, was that during, I'm trying to remember the timeline correctly here. Was that when you guys were doing the uh, the C, the, the faction with you and Eddie Kingston yeah. and Bram? Was yeah, that the in, DCC. Yes, yeah. yes, yeah. Was that... A Billy Corgan idea, or was that after he'd already left? I think it was right before he came in and did it because, I, like, I had a completely total different idea for it, you know. And then, but once it goes through the, the chambers, you mm-hmm. know, like it all, everybody puts their input into it, and then, and then it get complete, completely changed of what it was supposed to have been, mm-hmm. you know, and. uh and then Billy came, when Billy came in, like it was already just something completely different than what I, and it, it is one of the things where I just kind of wanted it to end. Like I just wanted to get out of it. Like mm-hmm. it wasn't going to be done the way that I had originally pitched it. Like it was a really good idea because everybody I pitched it to was like, oh, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that kind of caused some friction between me and Billy because I was also asked to go out and get a song made because they didn't have the funds to do it. <laughs> so, oh, so, was, so that was when you came back with the remix version of the song you already had, right? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah, so I got that done, and then, uh, uh, and I think when I got it done, then I was like, oh, well, we're not going to use that. We're going to use something else. And I was like, wait. No, <laughs> What's the point? Yeah. Who's paying me for this? <laughs> like, I was asked to go out and get this. And and I think that that's, it just got, I don't know, it just got out of hand and just portrayed the wrong, wrong way. Like, there was a middleman that shouldn't have been there, you know. Mm-hmm. Like, I should have just went around the middleman, but I try to go through the right, you know, stages and chambers so people don't get pissy. But, uh, yeah. I mean, but it is what it is. And, you know, me and Billy talked about it. And, you know, like I said, and it was at the time when there was like too many chiefs in the kitchen, mm-hmm. you know, like it was just, or chefs in the kitchen, <laughs> no, or chief of the tribe, <laughs> yeah. whatever. Yeah, there's another expression uh, there. Yeah. Yeah. But, it, you know, and, and like I didn't know who to go to. Like I didn't know if Dixie was still on it. I didn't know if the Harris Brothers was on it. I didn't know if Anthem was on it. I didn't mm-hmm. know if Billy, you know, like it's like every week it seemed like it changed hands. Mm-hmm. So with with NWA, it was good uh, because I knew that Billy was the boss. Mm-hmm. So I can just go to Billy and just say, "Hey, do you mind if we do this?" And Billy knows that I know wrestling, mm-hmm. you know. And he's like, "Well, if you think it'll work, do it. You know, we'll mm-hmm. try." It. So and already in such a short span of time in the NWA, and you've only been there for a couple of years, it feels like you've done almost everything. You know, holding the national championship, you're one half of the current tag team champions. You went for the world title in the main event of the first pay-per-view since the resurgence late last year at the end of the fire pay-per-view against all this, which was a great match. Um, is there anything right now, obviously you're one half of the tag team champions as we speak. Uh, is, is there anything that you're specifically looking to do going forward in the re- remainder of your run in the NWA? You know, I just want to do, uh, you know, I'm having fun doing the tag team stuff because a lot of people don't understand. 
I like tag team wrestling, number one. And number two, I don't have to take all the bumps. So, <laughs> That's true. Uh, but my bump card is still good, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, no, I would definitely like to, you know, do, like, a good uh, singles run uh, and just, you know, prove what I can do, you know. Mm-hmm. And you've been doing both for a while now. I mean, in, in every company that you've worked for, you've been on your own. You've been in tag teams, currently with Eli Drake. But in Impact, you were with Bobby Roode for a while. You were with Harris for a while. You've been with a, a lot of different people, a lot of different tag team partners. Had a lot of success on your own as well. Do you have a preference? I mean, you mentioned in tag team wrestling, you don't have to take as many bumps. So that might be one of the reasons why you might enjoy tag team wrestling more. Uh, but is there you know, one that you're like, okay, if I had to choose, I'd rather be on my own? Or is it really just kind of an equal playing field? No, I, I mean, I, 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 I would probably rather be in a tag. Yeah. Uh, just because, I don't know, you just form that, that bond, uh, you, you know, and, and it's really cool, like, learning to work with someone else, you know, and learning their mannerisms and, uh, you know, their movesets and, you know, what you can come up with together as a tag team. And, you know, when tag team wrestling's done good, like, it's the best on the card, no mm-hmm. doubt. But, I mean, we proved it back in 10A when we had us and – Motor City Machine Guns and Team 3D, uh, you know, and LAX. Yep. Like we, we had so many good tag teams uh, back then, and and we were main eventing all the shows and pay-per-views. Currently with Eli Drake, he's your partner with, for the tag team titles. Uh, how has that experience been so far? Because I know you guys worked together, you know, a number of years ago in TNA, and that was really the feud that helped put Eli Drake on the map there initially in TNA on his own and now you guys aren't foes but rather friends as partners um and you guys bounce off each other so well i think one of the highlights of your tag team is when eli drake is like cutting a promo and you're drinking off to the side or you interject something every couple sentences it's just a great dynamic so how has that experience been for you so far uh it's it's been fun you know and you know we don't talk about our promos at all we just go out there and do it so uh (laughs) i'm like i'm like he'll you know he'll say something like okay i'll start and you just you jump in whenever, or if you want to start, I'll jump in. I was like, you go ahead. I'll just drink some beer and I'll, <laughs> I'll jump in, you know? And, yeah. uh, and so it's, uh, it's, it's been a lot of fun, you know? And it, like I said, Eli is an amazing talent anyways. Mm-hmm. So, and, and, you know, he can, he can talk with the best of them. So it's, it's a lot of fun working with him for sure. You mentioned before, so I was, I've always been curious about this. You mentioned the theme song that you had recorded again, the long necks and rednecks song that you had recorded again for later on in your TNA stint. Um, you're not using that now. So what was the, you owned the rights for the song because you had made that made, right? Or can you use it if you want to? Was it more of a TNA thing? Yeah, see, I, I didn't, uh, uh, I didn't own the music part to it. Uh, but I owned like, it's weird because I wrote the course and stuff like that. So I didn't <laughs> write the words. So I had to go back and like the stuff that I use, I can use the words and stuff because I wrote all the words, but I didn't write the music. Oh, so I had to put different music with the with somebody else singing it. <laughs> oh wow! So it's the same song now, but just a different person singing yeah. it, though. Oh really? Yeah. I never under- Wow! I never figured that out. Oh, that's I'm yeah. gonna have to go back and listen and figure that out. I never really, <laughs> never really realized that. Interesting. Um, but during your time in TNN, I'm all over the place here. I was just thinking the other day, and I had to ask you about this. One of my favorite periods of your career there was the Fortune Faction, and on paper, I mean, you guys had one of the most stacked stables in that company's history that I don't think it's talked about enough with yourself, Bobby Roode, AJ Styles, Christopher Daniels, and Frankie Kazarian, and all you guys are doing great work in different companies right now. Um, how was that, you know, stage of your career? And there were a lot of top talent in TNA. Like, again, I don't think people talk about that era of the company enough when there were as much top talent as there was. Um, how was that experience for you in teaming with those guys? And obviously, with Bobby as beer money, you guys were together for a while. But with Fortune specifically, how was that stage of your career in TNA? 
I mean, it was just, like I said, it was amazing, really. Uh, I mean, to, to be able to work with those other guys. And, uh, you know, and, and then, you know, Flair came along. And, uh, mm-hmm. I mean, and the stuff we did with him, you know, icing him. And I don't know, just it was just fun just having that basically guy bond, you know. And, mm-hmm. like, we were just all, you know, just come up with, like, we were actually, all four of us would sit around and just try to come up with stuff that would, basically help the company more you mm-hmm. know like not really us because we you know not to get the big head but we didn't think we really needed it mm-hmm. you know like we were we were doing good we just needed some other people to you know come up to feud with and you know we had to help out other people as well and all of you guys were really tent poles there in tna for a long time aj styles having been there almost I would think as long as you I mean he was there when it started and as you were as well and then he left a couple of years before you did Um, and then one by one everyone just started leaving is there any one factor that you would attribute I don't want to say to the downfall of Impact because they're doing well now but to each of those top stars leaving including yourself down the road was it really just kind of that change in management and not really knowing who was in charge as you mentioned earlier yeah it was uh, you know I can't really uh, speak for everyone, but I, I, to me, I just think it was, uh, like you said, this change in management and people thinking that we were interchangeable, mm-hmm. you know, and it's kind of, you know, they're, they're kind of like, well, why are we paying these guys this much when we can go get this person for this much, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, they started finding out, like, there's a reason why you're paying us to get money. It's because you didn't have to worry about us messing anything up on TV and us going out there doing our job, <laughs> uh, you, you know. And, and they started finding that out when guys started leaving, and they started, you know, bringing in cheaper guys and stuff. And it was just, you know, it went through that period where it wasn't the same. And you know, I, thank God, you know, to me, like I, I never wish ill will on Impact because I have a lot of friends that work there. Mm. I have a lot of friends that work in the office and stuff. So, you know, I always say it's always good to have these different companies around because it gives guys a place to work, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, most so, definitely. Yeah. And, you know, oh, sorry, as long ahead, as yeah. TNA's around, like, my name would still be out there, so that's good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. You're all over the Impact Plus app. They air the throwback <laughs> matches every week, and it seems like every other week I see you in a different match that they have on there. So it's, it, it's cool to see. Um, yeah, so many people are, you know, like, hoping I'm going to show up at Slammiversary sure. and stuff. So, but yeah. I tell them, uh, I don't, I don't think <laughs> so guys. Yeah. Don't hold out hope. Don't hold your breath. Uh, <laughs> I was going to say, cause you were part of the, they've been putting out these vignettes now for a while with, um, going into the pay-per-view about, you know, recently really stars from WWE, but in addition to yourself and other people um, that are free, you know, not free agents, but out there not in WWE or whatever, promoting a top name coming to the company for the pay-per-view, a former world champion, which would be yourself, and among other people, I saw Kurt Angle in there, Sting, whatever, um, so it's funny. But uh, So the other thing I was going to mention, I forgot what I was going to say. Oh, the tag team wrestling, you mentioned earlier, the tag team division at that point, as you mentioned before, about motors and machine guns, you know, yourself and Bobby Roode's beer money lax team 3d one of the best eras of tag team wrestling really in any promotion ever at least in recent memory um do you think tag team wrestling and you're doing great work now in the nwa with eli drake but overall in every promotion do you think the art of tag team wrestling is kind of like a lost art nowadays and it doesn't feel as important as it should or the company's you know for whatever reason not really treating it as a top priority yeah you know to if you look Singles championship has always been really the main focal point on any, you know, promotion really. And I, I just remember sitting around with Bubba. There's, there's a 
you know, a bunch of us uh, tag teams back in the day, and we were sitting there with Bubba, and Bubba's like, we need to show them that tag team wrestling is the best wrestling around. You know, mm-hmm. and Bubba started naming off, you know, when Rock and Roll Express and Midnight Express and, you know, Road Warriors and all these guys would wrestle. They would always main event places, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that's what we did. And I just, you know, I, I think it just it's a, it takes – Take something from the guys and saying, you know what, let's, let's prove that tag team wrestling is, you know, I, I don't want to say better than any other wrestling, but it deserves to, you know, uh, highlight pay-per-views and TV programs just as much. And when you guys were killing it over in TNA, I think it was Arn Anderson recently on, on his podcast that mentioned that, obviously he was with WWE at that point, mentioning how, I believe he was scouting you, Bobby Roode, and AJ Styles, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and it must have been around that point when you guys were just killing it over in DNA. Had you ever heard anything about that before recently, about WWE at scouting you? I mean, obviously you had your brief stint there with NXT a couple of years ago, but I think this would have been maybe 2010, 2011, um, that they may have been interested in bringing you in as a tag team? No, you know, I never did hear anything about it. But I know when I, uh, you know, I think it was maybe two years ago, uh, after I left Impact for good, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I actually ran into Arn at a uh, at backstage at a Raw show, mm-hmm. and uh, he came up to me and I was like, "Hey, Mr. Anderson, I'm James Storm." He looked at me, and said, "I know who the hell you are, kid." I said, <laughs> oh, "Okay," and uh, he goes, uh, "He goes, are you free?" I said, uh, "From contract?" He goes, "No, for a date." <laughs> he goes, "Yeah, free <laughs> from contract." I was like, "Hi," right. I was like, "Yes, sir." He goes, "All right," and uh, he he got my number and stuff, and he's like, "Well, he's like, okay," he's like, "Well, uh, let me see what I can do, and let me talk to some people, and uh, hopefully get you up here." And then, of course, like two weeks later, he got released. I was like, "Oh, dang. <laughs> <laughs> of course." <laughs> so that that must have been in the last. Well, you said the last two years, right? Yeah, yeah. I know That's there was. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, in the last two years. I know there was a point, and I don't know, this must have been before that, um, at the Royal Rumble, I think. I think Bobby Roode was doing an open challenge or something and uh, <laughs> for the U.S. Championship. I, you, you probably remember this, and ev- yeah. everyone thought it was you. So I, I was at that show. It was in Philly. I just so happened to be wearing my James Storm hat that night, your hat, and people were like, oh, you think he's going to show up or whatever. And I was like, oh, I hope so. And then I think it was Mojo Raleigh instead. And he's, you know, he's a good guy, a Mojo I fan. I feel so sorry for Mojo because they just, <laughs> they just crapped all over it. They're yeah. Like, Anybody but Mojo. <laughs> it, it was it was pretty funny to say the least. Uh, I mean, it seems like you're the master of, you know, capitalizing on the T, so to speak. So from that, you know, I, I know there was a couple years prior to that with, I think when John Cena had been doing his U.S. Open Challenge, and that was around the time you had done the one-off in NXT, you were yeah. maybe you know teasing doing the Open Challenge with John Cena, and even as recently as uh, you know teasing the Open Challenge with Cody Rhodes and AEW, which would be awesome to see too. Hey, uh, I, uh, I I told him I'm you know I'm I'm free from contracts, so you never know. Is that well? That was my other question for you. Is that actually contractually possible for you to appear to AEW as well? Well, see, I'm not under contract with anyone, so I can oh. basically do what I want. So, so we there is a chance we could hear. Sorry about your damn luck. One of these days on Dynamite, there there could be a chance. I guess <laughs> you have to 
tell Cody about that. Exactly. I'll keep tweeting him. We'll keep tweeting him and get the, uh, you know, get it going, get it going. But uh, no, well, yeah. So with social media, how important do you think, you know, whether it be good, bad, indifferent, um, it is the pro wrestling in terms of, you know, getting your name out there and, and stuff like that. Because every time you tease that you're issuing or rather accepting one of these open challenges, you get people talking and they really want to see you accept it before it ends up being someone that we're disappointed to see or whatever. <laughs> you know, what are your thoughts yeah. on social media and all that stuff? Yeah, I might want to kind of chill out on that. <laughs> yeah. But, I, you know, it's, it's one of the things, too. It's like, okay, well, you see how these people respond, so you think they would want to do something, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, you, you never know. But, you know, I always tell people that social media is your number one friend. You know, it's free. Uh, you know, and it, it, it helps build your, your following and keep your name out there or, you know, make a name for yourself. You never know. Uh, you know, who could be seeing it at that, that time that could – you know, help you out. And you mentioned before with the, you know, when, when Mojo Raleigh accepted the open challenge with Bobby Roode and everyone was hoping that it was you. And unfortunately it was not, um, that seemed like a prime opportunity. And then it was soon after that, when Bobby Roode, it looked like they were trying to, you know, do the tag team thing with him. And again, same thing. I think Jason Jordan was out. So Chad Gable was free and they paired those two up together. I mean, how was the response for you on how many people were probably petitioning you for that spot to be oh, with Bobby was, on raw? It was, unreal i was getting <laughs> messages on top of messages and i actually you know uh you know i talked to flair not too long ago and he was just like he's like man he goes i ought to try to pitch this idea to vince and where i manage you and bobby you know wow. <laughs> and, I was like, and, and he had a whole idea where he was gonna you know go out there while bobby was out there and say look at you you're out here with your ten dollar rick flair robe wannabe you know mm-hmm. and is claiming you have all this money and uh, blah, blah, blah. He said, but he, and Flair said, he's going to look at him and just stop and say, well, let me ask you one question though. How much beer can you drink? <laughs> <laughs> you know, oh, and then, and then, you know, do something out of that. But you know, that never came too. <laughs> now I'm actually upset that didn't happen. Cause that sounds absolutely amazing. But yeah, it, it just seems like there were so many prime opportunities where they could have plugged you in for that spot, whether it be for a feud with Bobby, you know, for a team with Bobby, because the Chad Gable thing, they ended up working out really well together as a team. But when you already have history with someone else who could have done it at that point, it would have been amazing. Well, that, uh, plus we were also were able to use the beer money name if WWE wanted us to, you know, if WWE wanted to make a lot of money. <laughs> oh, really? Is that able? You guys would be able to use that? Yeah, yeah, we could, we could use it. I know there was this whole thing, I think, well, actually, as recently as a year ago, it must have been recently, with, um, I know Santana and Ortiz, they couldn't use the LAX name from Impact, because I think it was like an Impact thing, but it, maybe it's a case-by-case thing where they only, I'm not sure, maybe they just didn't want to use it. Um, they're not using the LAX name in AEW, but I guess, like, I know Matt Matt Hardy's using the broken stuff elsewhere, that originated in TNA, so, uh, yeah. you know, it seems like you could, you guys could probably use it. And that was another thing, too, you mentioned it right there. I mean, how much money do you think they're missing out on? on not selling. I mean, you, you, I know you have like the beer bottles on your own signings. I got one when I met you about a year ago, and with the T-shirts and you know the money itself. How much money, no pun intended, do you think they're leaving on the table with all the beer, the beer money merch that could be printed? Well, I, well, I know with uh, with TNA, we made them over a million dollars in one year. <sighs> Jeez. So you can imagine WWE with their platform mm-hmm. <laughs> be made. So you never know. Hundred percent. I know that you guys a couple of years ago in TNA had the uh, the blow up beer bottles with all that whole thing. This was going back maybe 
five or six years. Um, but they're just printing merchandise after merchandise after merchandise, DVDs, T-shirts, everything, and you name it, hats. It was crazy. Um, do you wish that reunion run with Bobby and TNA had lasted just a little longer before he ended up going to WWE when he did? Uh, you know, I, I, I can sit here and say I did, but, you know, when before I even came back to TNA, uh, like I had talked to him and he actually had said that he's, uh, you know, 95% leaving, you know? Mm-hmm. So, you know, I didn't really, uh, you know, expect anything that we were going to be long-term when I came back anyways, you know? So I just knew it was just going to be for a little bit. And then, then he was going to be leaving to go do his stuff. And you guys had, again, one of the more underrated rivalries, I would say, in TNA's history a couple of years before that after your first tag team had broken down, you guys had gone off on your own path towards single success, um, having that awesome match at Bound for Glory in 2012, the no disqualification match. It's just a simple case of great storytelling over the case of a, you know, over the course of a year from the breakup to, you know, you coming back, you were gone for a little while, uh, the Bound for Glory series. Uh, how great of a story was that just crafted start to finish? And how much input did you guys have in telling that story over the course of that year in TNA? Uh, you know, we didn't really have too much input up till the match actually itself at the Bound for Glory. Mm-hmm. Um, deal because we said hello no matter what happens like we want to do this stuff at at the at the pay-per-view and stuff and so that was all agreed upon but like you said i I think that's what wrestling is missing these days is you know and that's why I, i tell everybody like i really enjoyed watching randy orton and uh and edge yeah you know yeah. When, they, when they had that match because they were telling a story, you know, they, they sold, you know, they, they were not there. Then they had to do, you know, 10,000 flips and all this other stuff. You know, <laughs> they, they sold being punched in the face, you know, mm-hmm. like I've been punched in the face for real. Like I know what it feels like, like I won't sell it, you know? <laughs> and, uh, and I just think, you know, that's what's missing in wrestling is this storytelling and guys knowing how to sell properly. And it was just, again, yeah, definitely learning how to sell properly. And I think their story had that just a lot. Over the course of the, you know, the couple months they told their story earlier this year, you and Bobby over the course of a literal year from when you guys had broken up to having that match. Um, would you consider that to be one of your favorite matches from your time in TNA, that Bound for Glory match, which, in my opinion, probably should have been the main event, but that's a you know another story for another time, <laughs> you know, for the World Championship. Oh, I mean, actually, before we get to that, was that your original? Did you originally think that would be for the world championship going in? Because it kind of seemed like a natural story after you had won it, lost it back, you know, to Bobby, and then uh, you would get it back from Bobby at the pay per view. Were you guys under that idea, and then plans changed? Yeah, it was actually that. So that, that's why, like, I was gone for a little bit, uh, and then come back because uh, they wanted me to go away and come back in ridiculous stupid shape and i was like all right fine <laughs> i'll take a couple <laughs> months off and just get as ripped as possible you know and and i remember i was taking a freaking uh, uh spinning class you know and, <laughs> uh and and uh bruce pritchard called me and i stepped out of the class and he was like hey man he goes i, I hate to call you because i know how much work you've been putting in mm-hmm. he goes but uh he goes they they're gonna go and uh, I guess put the strap on Austin Aries at the next pay per view, and I was like, I was like, okay, well, whatever. I was like, uh, <laughs> I was like, well, when do I get to come back to work? <laughs> you know, <laughs> and I was like, well, we'll just have a, you know, just a no disqualification match, you know, and mm-hmm. that's a what, whatever. Like, I don't, I don't need a belt, but it would have helped the story, you know, a lot more. But you know, it is what it is. They, they went with Austin Aries at the time, and 
that's the end of it. Yeah, yeah, no, it still ended up working out well. I think that's still one of the better pay-per-views the company ever put out, and they had the Aries-Hardy match in the main event that night, you and Bobby in the undercard. It was strange. I remember watching the show, and you guys were on third. I'm like, that just seems like a dumb idea just because you <laughs> well, got... see, Oh, sorry, they, go ahead. They, we were actually supposed to be later in the card. Okay. But it was actually supposed to be right before Hogan and them segment. Oh, okay, but, the Sting match, but, yeah. Or no, no, it was something yeah. else that night. It was no, Hogan. Bubba. It was, I think it was Devon was coming out. It was, it was something with Devon. It was Bubba and Hogan, and then Devon came out or something. They, oh, I it was the Aces and Eights thing. That's what it was, yeah. 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 And I think, like, uh, I guess Hogan, you know, was just like, ah, I don't know if I want to go out after these guys, you know. <laughs> And uh, because, you know, he knew that it was going to be blood and, you know, all everything was going to throw the kitchen sink at it. And so uh, so they came up to us and like, hey, you guys got moved to third now <laughs> from like, you know, seventh to third. We're like, OK, well, whatever, <laughs> you know. And uh, and then I remember coming back through the curtain and Al Snow looked at me. He goes, seriously, now I got to go out here and follow this shit. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna, yeah, no, I mean, it was. It, it, I was going to say, it's, it's so difficult, too, because you guys went out there and killed it, and then there were, like, five other matches on the show, and it was a good show, and there were a lot of good matches after you guys, but that must have been difficult for them, because you guys had essentially stolen the show at that point, third match in. Yeah, and, and that, that's kind of the same way with me and Chris Harris when we had that Texas death match, you know, mm-hmm. they, they, they had, you know, it took, you know, two or three matches for the crowd to kind of get back into it, just because they were just wore out from me and Chris's match where we just, you know, bled buckets everywhere and just beat the crap out of each other. (laughs) The Chris Harris match, the Bobby Roode match, uh, where do those rank among, you know, other matches among your favorites, not just in TNA, but just in general that you've had over the course of your career? Uh, I mean, those are definitely two of my favorite matches. Like I actually have uh, the trunks and and everything that I wore with me and Bobby's match, like in a case. And then I have the pant, the pants that have blood all over them and the elbow <laughs> pad and a picture and the, like the beer bottle that was part of the match, like in another case with mm-hmm. Chris's action figures or whatever. So those are definitely two of my favorite matches, but you know, also another favorite match of mine was actually when I won the belt from Kurt Angle, uh, because it was supposed to be, like a 15 minute match mm. and like i didn't even know that i was winning until like an hour before oh wow uh, uh the match because kurt came up to me he goes look he goes i know because he he told me to put together a match and he was let me do everything i was like man this is awesome <laughs> so i was putting this match together and he was just like he's like look he goes i hate to do this he goes but my hamstring is really messed up mm. and it can rip at any moment he goes he goes trust me he goes i want to go out there and tear it down with you he goes i just can't because of my hamstring he goes but he goes, I believe that if I go out there and beat you up for like 30 seconds and you just catch me with the kick right off guard and pin me, he goes, this place will go absolutely apeshit. Mm-hmm. They did. Like, like as soon as I got the three count, like the place just went completely insane. It was nuts. That was what I was going to ask you as well. Just that the reaction and then, I mean, I think, I mean, obviously you would know better than me. It just wasn't a pop. It was like an extended celebration when you had won the championship. Like it went on for multiple minutes when you were celebrating winning the title. You went out in the crowd. The rest of fortune was there. Um, in terms of moments, where does that rank for you among the favorite moments in your career? Oh, that's, you know, definitely up there in the top three, mm-hmm. you know, if not number one, just because it was, you know, people will say, oh, it's just a belt, you know, but you know you're going to get it. But, it, I mean, it's, it's all the work that you put in over the years, you know, really. 
like that one moment it's like all right well it's finally paid off like all the work that i've sacrificed everything i've done for this company they finally believed in in me even though it was no, for a week, but hey, <laughs> hey, I still got it, you know. And uh, it was—I mean, it was just like I said, it was just that moment. It's like, all right, I, I, I did it. I, th- I think it's still historical. I'd have to go back and check the record books, but it still might be the shortest reign in the title's history. So it is still a record, no, no, one way or the other. No, actually, I was talking to Chris Jericho the other day, and uh, he got—he won the belt one night and lost it the same night. Oh, okay. Well, there you go. Perfect. <laughs> so I was like, sweet. I'm right behind you. <laughs> That's so funny. Uh, but, you know, it was so- I, told him, I, was like, I was like, damn, I can't even be the shortest loser either. <laughs> this, is, this is horrible. If you can't be the longest reigning, you might as well be the shortest reigning. You know, it's still memorable one way or the other. Um, did you ever have any, I mean, aside from what you had mentioned earlier with when they ended up going with Aries as the champion, and it was the natural story to tell, so I, I kind of get it, despite, you know, your guys' story being the highlight of that summer. Was there at any other point in the next five to six, seven years that you were with TNA that you felt, okay, I'm, I'm back in the main event, you know, picture here. This is the time I'm about to get the belt back. Um, was there ever any of that for you or was it just like, I'm making the most or whatever they give me at this point? Yeah. You know, like I would make the most of whatever they give me, but it was one of the things where, you know, I would keep working and, and, but as, as soon as it felt like it was about to happen, like it would be like a change in writing team or management or whatever. It just seems like, basically had to start back over something you know mm-hmm. because whoever came in you know they had their favorites or whatever and then kind of had to work your way back up and as soon as you get there same shit would happen again it just <laughs> i don't know yeah, it seemed like you had come close towards the end of your run there it was i don't think ec3 was champion but you guys had a really really good match i'm trying to think i don't know was that one of your final feuds with tna was it with the ec3 match or was that about a year before so i think it was at slammiversary or something yeah, it, it was uh, the strap match. Yes, the that, strap match, yep. Yeah, man, that, that match was so hard and brutal. It was fun, though. And, but, I, like, you know, I, like Jeff even told me, he goes, look, he goes, when I was uh, facing Bobby Lashley, like, two times for the belt, you know, mm-hmm. like, the first time they're like, uh, you know, it was such a good match and stuff, and I guess you got really good ratings, so they're like, oh, we, we want to revisit this in, like, a month and basically do the same thing. But, you know, I'm mm-hmm. like, why (laughs) and and, and like bobby bobby wanted to drop it to me you know he's like here we are we got an original guy here that can work can talk better than anybody on the roster like he goes i don't i don't get it i was like me neither man i said but hey just don't crush my face when you punch me that just makes no sense when you when you mention that about how like okay it did well the first time you would think when you book a rematch storytelling 101 booking 101 would dictate okay you're going to win the championship this time, especially since at that point you had a lot of momentum. But then it just, I don't know. Some things are just. Yeah, it, it was one of the things where also, like, you know, they would come and we shoot these vignettes and stuff, and then they would do vignettes with my family. Mm-hmm. You know, and then toward the end, you know, I just I just called bullshit on it. You know, really. You know, they kept wanting to do these vignettes with my family. I'm like, no, we're not doing any more vignettes like that with my family. And then I just go out there and lose. Mm-hmm. I was like, I was like, this is, I'm not beating a dead horse over the thing and just keep using my family as a pawn. And mm-hmm. I said, I'm done with that. We can do whatever. Yeah. You guys want me to train like Rocky at some garage or some shit. I can do that. Yeah. Put my family in no more. Yeah. Did they do that, that same thing during the Bobby feud as well when they incorporated your family or no? Yeah. 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 They, I mean, it's the same thing. So, yeah. which that, that's, that's like, that was like, I even had, uh, like I was going to, 
put major, like major heat on Bobby and they wouldn't do it because like I wanted to have uh, like my wife and Kit at the, the match when I lost the belt, when it turned on me, you know, mm-hmm. and I, I wanted him to get out of the ring and walk by and just spit right on my wife or my son. Mm-hmm. That was like two years old at the time. Wow. And yeah. they were like, no, we're not doing that. I'm like, that, like that's like nuclear heat, on <laughs> you know. It, it, would, it would be one thing if they had pitched it and you didn't want that to happen, but it was the exact opposite. We were like, I'm yeah, totally okay and, with and it. Even you know? Bobby was like, uh, are you sure, man? <laughs> like, everyone, like Bobby knows how I am with my family. Like, he, he even would come to me like before he said stuff and promos. Like, hey, man, is it okay if I say this? Mm. I'm like, yeah, sure, man. It's, it's okay. I'm like, yeah, my wife's me. It's cool. <laughs> Is there any moments that your that your son was there for specifically that it was cool for you to, as a father to be like, okay, my son was here to witness this, and now I feel like I, I'm I'm good. I've accomplished something because my son was here to witness me, you know, do this or whatever. Uh, I got a, actually a, a picture on on my Instagram, uh, and this when I came backstage, uh, and my son was back there, and he was watching from. Like uh, you've been to the studio, right? The the TNA studio when it was in Orlando. No, actually, I haven't. I saw one, I saw one of your guys' shows in um, the Manhattan Center in uh, New okay. York City. Yeah, I have not what? been to the. T- you talking about in Orlando though, right? In Universal. Yeah, yeah, I have yeah. not. Yeah. Well, well, there's like that little hard camera side, and he was he was sitting there, and uh, and so uh, I was actually wrestling Bram, and so me and Bram went out there and had a really good match, and. I came back or whatever, and my son, like, he was just so happy. He's like, you won, Dad, you won. <laughs> and, and I was like, yeah. And like, and I didn't know that my wife had took a picture or whatever, and it was just, like, really the coolest picture of just me sitting there talking to my son after the match. Oh, that's cool. Does he have any aspirations? I mean, like, I want to follow my dad's footsteps. No, I want to be a person. Or no? <laughs> <laughs> no, but I do have a, I have a three-year-old son now, and he, he will be in the wrestling business for sure. Like, he's... He, he's fearful. He'll jump off anything. He don't care. And he's at that exact height when he swings, he hits you right in the growing. So it's just like, <laughs> why? Why is he swinging? I think we need a mixed tag team match with you and your son and then Matt Hardy and one of his sons. I think that just kind of makes too much sense, you know? (laughs) Right, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to put a pause on my conversation with the Cowboy for now. Come back to it next week here on WrestleRant Radio. But until then, though, you guys can check out other episodes of WrestleRant Radio right here on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Podbean, TuneIn Radio, Google Play, iHeartRadio, wherever you check out your podcast every single Thursday. Rate the show, review the show, subscribe to the show, and uh, never miss an episode every single Thursday. So, again, coming up next week here on the show is the remainder of my exclusive interview with the Cowboy James Storm. I cannot thank him enough for his time. We talked for almost an hour and 15 minutes. So you're going to hear the remainder of it next week here on the show, and there's a lot more great stuff to come from James Storm. And then the Extreme Rules Review featuring Mr. Marceau, as always. Until then, guys, have a great rest of your week. Enjoy the weekend. I'm Graham Jason Matthews, and I'll catch your ass on the road.